Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is October 13th, 2021, and our first story. Republicans have flipped a Democrat stronghold in Iowa, signaling a potential red wave is coming, combined with Joe Biden's failing approval rating, and Democrats are getting pretty worried. In our next story, the Southwest CEO caught lying, trying to blame Joe Biden for the vaccine mandates, which apparently weren't a cause of the delays and cancellations. Something doesn't add up. But people may be saying no to vaccine mandates. And in our last story, Ron DeSantis of Florida has fined a county in Florida $3.5 million for violating his ban on vaccine passports. Now, if you like the show, leave us a good review and give us five stars. Now, let's get into that first story. Fear not, my friends, for though we face a democratic establishment in full control of our cultural institutions seeking to burn this country to the ground with the help, of course, of establishment and neoconservative Republicans, there is hope. Several stories are dropping, suggesting that come the midterm elections, though it is quite a ways out, we will see a red wave and Republicans will sweep through the House, maybe even the Senate, and then finally, no, nothing will happen. Sorry, I I tried to make it good news, but uh, I guess maybe it means the Democrats agenda will be slowed to a halt. But let's be real, the Republicans probably won't do anything with the victory anyway. So we'll see. Unless, of course, people get active in the primaries and get rid of these establishment Republicans and these neocons, maybe then some populists can get in and make some real change. But the reality is, Several stories have come out showing that Joe Biden's party, the Democrats, are in serious trouble, and they all know it. I mean, you've got Joe Biden's failing approval rating. You've got just the economy in general as a big indicator. And you also have history. Typically, a president's first term in the midterms, they lose a lot of support, and people will then vote for the opposition party because they're unhappy with the way things have been going. Typically, presidents make promises that uh, uh, they can't keep. And certainly in this instance, it's something special. I mean, a lot of people were just told that Trump was the cause of all their problems. and They believed it. And now that their problems are continuing, if not escalating, they're now saying, you know what? Maybe I was lied to and we got to vote for something else. But there is other news. GOP flips Iowa State House seat. Not the biggest news in the world until you dig into it. This House seat in Iowa is a Democrat stronghold. This is, this is uh, following the trend we saw in 2020 where Republicans did amazing in the House races. They didn't win the House outright, 
They certainly did defy all of the polls. And so that's where things get interesting. If Democrat strongholds, a seat held by Democrats for decades, is now all of a sudden flipping Republican in a special election, Miami, of all places, is going Republican, and Southern Texas is going Republican, and Joe Biden's support, even among the black community, has dropped nearly 20 points. I do not see how the Democrats can recover from this in time for the midterms. And not only that, all of the bad things happening right now, mark my words, they will be used in attack ads. You don't even need me to say it. It's obvious. So every bit of pain and crunch that people are feeling today, all that stress is going to be bottled up, packaged and resold throughout the entire next entire cycle next year in the midterms. And people won't forget it. Now, let's be real. A year is an eternity when it comes to elections. And I've made predictions about Republican red waves before one. And I was wrong. I was sort of wrong. Initially, it did look like Republicans were going to do really well. And then mail-in ballots started coming in. And then the Democrats started winning many seats. Yeah. So maybe maybe I'll be wrong this time. I don't know. But I'm not just basing the data off of my personal feelings, Joe Biden's failing approval ratings, people coming out angry about what the Democrats are doing, or, uh, you know, any other polls. I'm looking at just the data. The history suggests Republicans will win. Will they do anything is the bigger question. And I kind of think the answer will be no. But you know what they should do? Impeach Joe Biden immediately. Because one of the reasons Joe Biden, in my opinion, his approval rating is going down, we've got more information implicating him in his son's scandals. They were sharing a bank account, according to new reports, which means the money that Hunter Biden was getting illicitly was being funneled to his dad. He was paying his dad's bills. That's the reporting. So how this guy is surviving politically at this point with even 42% approval, I have no idea. But I don't see this being forgotten by the time the midterms come around. The bigger question is, what will you do in the Republican primaries? Will you ignore them? Will you sit back and let neocons and establishment shills take those seats, feign resistance? And then as soon as they get in, Washington generals, oh, geez, oh, no, they're just so much better than me. You know, the Harlem Globetrotters, I made the analogy before. It was someone else who told it to me. Let's read this story and see what's happening in Iowa and then go through the data, which suggests great news for the Republicans, should it matter. And before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to exclusive segments on the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as all of our new shows. And we have an event coming up. We have an event coming up, a live in-person event with Ryan Long performing and his good friend Danny Polishchuk, probably pronouncing your name wrong, Danny, apologies, but uh, they're going to be performing, uh, doing their stand-up routines at this big hangout with the TimCast IRL crew. It is a members-only event, so if you're a member, you will see the post. Later today, it will be open to all members, and you'll be able to RSVP, though I think we may have already sold out. I'm not entirely sure, but we'll have more information on that later. So you definitely want to be a member because we're going to be doing, I'm, I'm aiming to do one event at least every month. We'll see if we can pull it off. We're actually securing a new facility so we can try and set up our own venue for this so that we can make sure everybody has a chance to hang out. But you'll also, as a member, be supporting our work, helping our journalists do their job, allowing us to hire more journalists and fund the nonprofits we're making to stop censorship and to fact check those, the fact check, the fact checkers. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this video right now with your friends. Let's read the story from The Hill. GOP flips Iowa State House seat. A pastor and tax advisor will become the first Republican to represent Newton in the Iowa State House in decades after winning a special election Tuesday to fill a vacancy in a once ancestrally Democratic manufacturing hub that has moved to the right in recent years. 
John Dunwell, making his second run for the legislative seat, beat out Democratic opponent Steve Mullen by a 60% to 40% margin. About one in five voters in Jasper County based in the Jasper County based seat turned out to vote, according to the county's auditor's office. Now, I want to stress a few points. You may be saying to me, Tim, do we really care about state house seats? I mean, come on. Well, there's two big points. The answer is yes. First, the Democrats are it's a manufacturing stronghold. This should be union Democrat territory, and it's been for a long time. Republican? Listen for two seconds. These middle-aged dudes who are working in factories, who are in unions, I can't imagine for the most part they're going to be happy with what Joe Biden is doing. So you're going to see a lot of people start shifting away. And we've already seen the polls suggesting that in rural areas, many Democrat areas, they are now more in favor of Trump, even though Trump's not president anymore. But here's the big and most important issue here. Federal government elections, federal elections, I don't think are that important at all. A convention of states can be had if two thirds of the states agree to the convention. And then I think you need what is it, like 37 or 38 to ratify. It could be 36. I'm not sure. So as more Democrat state house seats flip Republican, more you, you end up seeing more Republican control of, of state level seats. Then you might actually get a convention of states that could change the Constitution Boy, would that make things ignite very quickly. I'm not convinced the Democratic states are going to be like, this is okay. They're going to be like, burn it to the ground. So it is extremely important. These are the races I think we need to be focusing on. When Republicans win state house seats, this is what you should be paying attention to. Who is in your state legislature? Vote. I don't care who you vote for, just be active. They say, Dunwell is the second Republican to win a formerly Democratic held legislative seat since President Biden took office after a Republican won a state Senate seat in Connecticut over the summer. More good news for Republicans. Quote, community engagement is very important to me. Being out and among the people is very important to me. Giving everyone a seat at the table is very important to me, Dunwell told the Newton Daily News as he watched the results roll in. I have a conservative philosophy. My passion is for Jasper County and Iowa. The team that I work, work with is for the Republicans. Dunwell had lost his bid against state rep Wes Breckenridge in 2020, but Breckenridge quit the legislature last month to take a job at the Iowa Law Enforcement Academy. The district based in Newton, about half an hour east of Des Moines along Interstate 80, has been trending Republican in recent years. Jasper County gave former President Trump 60% of the vote in 2020, the highest share any Republican earned there since Herbert Hoover in 1928. Before Trump, Jasper County had voted for the Democratic presidential nominee in six of the preceding seven presidential elections. Dunwell's new district gave Trump 57% of the vote in 2012. Then President Obama carried the seat with 56%. They call this a pivot, dist- a pivot, a pivot county. So if, you, if we jump over to Ballotpedia, taking a look at Iowa House District 29, they say, this district is one of 710 state legislature, legislative districts that intersects with one or more pivot counties. These 206 pivot counties voted for Trump in 2016 after voting for Obama in 2008 and 2012. So you're going to tell me every Trump supporter is racist that in two elections, they said Barack Obama was the right guy for the job. I don't think race played a factor. I think they much supported the guy twice. I couldn't even do that. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. 
Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Then along comes Donald Trump. And for some reason, these people said, that's my guy. I find that absolutely fascinating that we're going to see such, such, such a flipping here. Now, of course, Wes Breckenridge was the previously, uh, previously representing the area. He's now out. Let's take a look at, at what's transla- how this translates into the bigger picture. For one, I'll state it again. You really need to hear this. Vote in your state, House, and Senate elections. You need your values to be at the state level. The federal government isn't going to come and clean the garbage up in your, in your state or protect you from vaccine mandates or any of this despotism. It's going to come down to your, your state houses and things like that. But will there be a red wave is the question. Well, 538 says in September, no, but yes. Our best tool for predicting midterm elections doesn't show a Republican wave, but history is on the GOP's side. You know, why I find this article fascinating and I really wanted to show it because it's meaningless. Your polls are garbage, 538. All of the polls are garbage. I mean, they can show us maybe trends in the aggregate, but you have been so wrong for the past, what, four elections. The polls have just been completely inaccurate. Trump can never win. And then he did. And then everything they said about 2018, well, the Democrats did do really, really well. But the polls were once again wrong. And we saw the polls being wrong, really, really wrong in 2018. Man, they're just off their game. They don't understand. Their traditional models don't make sense anymore. People are moving around. Not to mention this. Right now you're checking these polls, but we don't know what county is going to vote for who because people have moved quite a bit. Blue areas might become bluer. Red areas might become redder. We will see. 538 says, as it is every two years, control of the House and Senate will once again be at stake in the November 2022 midterm elections. And one of the best tools we have for predicting those election results is polling of the generic congressional ballot. The generic congressional ballot question typically asks respondents which party they intend to vote for in the upcoming congressional election without naming candidates, allowing the question to be asked nationally to gauge the overall political environment. And for several years now, we at 538 have been collecting these polls and calculating a weighted average for them. And we're excited today to publish our generic ballot average for the 2022 election cycle. As of Thursday, September 16th, Democrats lead Republicans in our polling average by 2.7 percentage points. This average is calculated much the same way as our presidential approval rating average, with a couple of differences. First, the lines we draw for the generic ballot averages are more aggressively smoothed. In other words, they are slower to respond to new data. Now, I'm going to skip over the nitty gritty. They say, historically, a generic ballot polling average calculated in this way has been very good at predicting the national popular vote for the U.S. House. Using our polling database, we're able to calculate a retroactive generic ballot polling average for congressional elections going back to 1980 on average. Across those 21 election cycles, our generic ballot polling average on election day missed the House popular vote by only three points. 
Yes, as you might recall, generic ballot polls misled in the 2020 election. They gave Democrats an average lead of 7.3 points on November 3rd, but the party won the House popular vote by only three points. But that was an unusually large polling error by recent historical standards. Okay, (laughs) so forgive me if I am not going to read further. Your polls are garbage. I will say there is some trend value in here. When they say the national popular vote for the House leans Democrat, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to laugh. Seriously? What, what are they doing? I mean, the approval is in the gutter. It's always been in the gutter and people are still going to vote for these guys. Well, I tell you this, you know why? Because people hate the Republicans. You look at the civics data, the polls, and you can find that Democrats, for the most part, like Democrats, Republicans don't like the Republican Party. And so long as that's the case, Republicans being trash guarantee Democrat victory. That's why the primaries are so important. If you can get rid of of these awful establishment Republicans and maybe get someone like, I don't know, Sean Parnell. Far from a perfect guy. He seems like a regular dude, but he is not one of these establishment Washington types. He writes books. He, he's running for office and he seems to be a normal dude. Maybe if someone like him wins the primary, you might actually see enthusiasm return. Get active in your primaries. Otherwise, as much as I'll say the polling data is probably bunk garbage, it still does show a trend towards the Democrats and do not underestimate them. I know, I know, all the, all, all the, the, the establishment lefties are going to be like, Tim's predicting the Republicans win and they always lose. I'm literally here saying right now, as I said in 2020, do not underestimate the Democrats. They have this in the polls and the polls could be wrong, but wrong by this much? Maybe not. I certainly think we're seeing a lot that shows hyperpolarization. So the Democrats might win the House popular vote, but is that, is, is that going to translate to actual districts? I'm not entirely convinced. Districts aren't the same as the presidential election. They're based on population. So who knows? I think there's good evidence to suggest Republicans can see a major surge. I think all that really matters is the primary. Because you're not going to get any enthusiasm for these establishment types. But if you primary these people, it might just happen. Take a look at this. From Fox News, group that works to elect GOP officials at state level showcases record fundraising hall. Republicans look to strengthen their upper hand in control of state legislative chambers. And maybe, maybe this is where we all need to be. A convention of states. I don't care where you live or what state you're in. I don't care if it's plus 50 Democrat. Go out and start campaigning for Republicans to win at the state level. And I don't care for the Republican Party. I'm just saying anybody but Democrats. Fine. You know what? I would love to see a libertarian winning at the state level. But if we can get enough people, libertarian, conservative, or just anybody who opposes the wokeness, even some, I'm willing to bet some anti-war leftists would get on board with anybody but the Democratic Party because a convention of states is all around good for everyone except the establishment. And that's what needs to happen. This is good, good news. The GOP, I'm sorry, the GOP, uh, Fox News is reporting the GOP. Uh, A GOP political organization, let me slow down, a GOP political organization dedicated to electing Republicans to state legislative and executive offices across the nation is spotlighting what it calls a record third quarter fundraising hall. The Republican State Leadership Committee will announce Wednesday that along with its strategic policy partner, the State Government Leadership Foundation, it hauled in a combined $8.3 million in fundraising during the July-September period, which the RSLC said is the most it's ever brought in in the third quarter of an odd year. The RSLC is sharing its fundraising figures first with Fox News, noted that 19 million noted that the 19 million dollars 
it and the SGLF have brought in through the first nine months of the year exceed the total the two groups raised in all of 2019, which was the comparable off election year in the 2020 cycle. The RSLC said its fundraising was boosted by an ongoing surge in online fundraising thanks to the continued expansion of the committee's low dollar fundraising program, which was launched in 2019. The average digital donation in the past three months was $24.41 and 11,500 new donors were added. The success we've had this cycle has been tremendous. But given what we have already seen in New Jersey and Virginia this year, it's clear we will need to work even harder in the months ahead to combat the commitment of national liberals to buy, election, to buy elections across the countries this cycle. RSLC President D. Duncan told Fox News in a statement, pointing to the only two states that ho- hold gubernatorial executive and legislative elections in the year after a presidential contest. contest. Democrats know that our razor-thin majorities in the states— are the only things standing in their way from importing the socialist policies they are pushing in D.C. to the rest of the country. And we must do everything in our power to stop them, Duncan argued. While the Republicans are the majority party in both houses of Congress, and uh, while the Republicans are the minority, sorry, party in both houses of Congress, and are out of power in the White House, it's a very different story in the states. Republicans control 54% of the 7,383 total legislative seats throughout the country, according to the latest data from the National Conference on State Legislatures. And they control 61 of the nation's 99 state legislative chambers. Nebraska is the only state with with a unicameral legislature. They control 30 of the 50 state legislatures and have total control in 23 states compared to 15 for the Democrats. 30 of 50. Flip, what, six to eight seats and we get a convention of states and then we can start amending the Constitution. That would be tremendous and it needs to be done. My first proposal would be with the uh, what are we on? We're on 27 amendments. How many amendments? Yikes. I think it's 27, right? I don't know. Whatever. The next amendment, maybe it's 28, um, reaffirming the Second Amendment, repealing all laws pertaining to firearm ownership and restriction unless... The restriction is the result of due process. It can be worded better. You get the point. If you're convicted of a crime, due process is is put in place to restrict you of your ability to bear weapons. That I understand, though I think there should certainly be a time limit on it. It shouldn't be a life sentence. But uh, perhaps the Second Amendment wasn't clear enough. Anyway, look, you get the point. We can do a lot of things if there is a convention of states. And I believe most importantly, if there is a convention of states and the Republicans start saying a bunch of things, the blue states will secede. I'm not kidding. I think they absolutely would. But it's not just, again, only about the state level. I certainly think that's the most important. But take a look at this. House GOP leader McCarthy hauls in a record $57.8 million during first nine months of the year. What? How? McCarthy? Yikes, man. I'm just this one actually breaks my heart. Of all, the, of all the people you could give money to, it's McCarthy to break the record? Look, not the worst guy in the world. I guess there's so many Democrats that are worse, but he may as well be one. The Republican establishment shills. That's what they do. They're the Washington generals to the Harlem Globe the, the, to the Democrats Harlem Globetrotters. But check it out. This is still big news. People do not like the Democrats. They say, accumulating resources as he aims to win back the House of Representatives majority in 2022. GOP leader Kevin McCarthy brought in $14.7 million in the past three months. McCarthy's July through September third quarter haul, shared first with Fox News on Tuesday, brings the minority leader's total fundraising so far this year to $57.8 million, the most a House Republican has ever raised in an off-election year. Let me, let me just repeat that. The most a House Republican has ever raised in an off-election year. 
McCarthy broke his own record, which he set during the first nine months in 2019 by raising $41.6 million. According to AIDS, McCarthy's third quarter fundraising came from over 40,000 donors. And McCarthy for Congress had $7 million in cash on hand as of the beginning of October. Quote, I want to thank all our contributors who helped make this record-breaking quarter. With 13 months to go, the contrast is stark. Republicans nationwide are fired up, to, fired up to take back the House, while Democrats are running for the exits. With a record number of Republicans filing to run, it is clear our movement is more united and energized than ever before. Working together, I'm confident we will take back the House convincingly next November. And if y'all don't primary these people, nothing will change. How about that? So it's big. It's big news. And I got to say, there's more news that's going to be very detrimental to the Biden administration and to the Democrats. Joe Biden could get drawn into the FBI probe into his son, Hunter. According to a new report, they shared bank accounts. And well, as we know, Hunter Biden had said that he was paying for his dad's stuff. You can't use money interchangeably like that. Now, it's possible they were both on some entity, a corporation, a trust or whatever that had control of the bank account. But if that's the case, interestingly, if that is the case, that would mean that Joe Biden was explicitly involved in his son's business dealings. Let's say you have a business and you have two principal officers that are able to pull funds. The business can be on the bank account. You can claim I'm not involved. But if your son is putting his money in the account and you use it interchangeably with him, then you are involved. Now, I'm not going to get into the full nitty gritty of this because we already talked about it quite a bit. I just want to point out this is going to tank Democrats quite a bit right now. Joe Biden's approval rating is just in the gutter. Fortunately for him, he saw an increase of about one point in the past day or so and a decrease in his disapproval by about 0.5 points. But currently, in aggregate, Joe Biden's disapproval is 52% to 44.1% approval. Abysmally bad. The New York Post says Biden's approval 10 points lower than Obama's at the same point in his presidency. There are a lot of questions. Why? Why has Biden's approval rating gotten so low so quickly? Asks 538. Interestingly, they say it's because of Afghanistan. I mean, maybe, you know, in, in August, Biden's approval rating was still going down and then Afghanistan happened and it dropped dramatically. But do Americans really care that much about what's happening in Afghanistan? Perhaps, perhaps. I don't know for sure. I think it plays a role. And I also think the vaccine mandates are going to crater Joe Biden. Why? It may be anecdotal evidence. But as much as the ever online lefties and establishment shills would have you believe, I actually talk with regular people all the time. Uh, I was recently at a farm talking to some people in Loudoun County. Very interesting conversation. They understand a lot of what we're talking about. They, they, they believe a lot of the same things. And these are in, you know, marginally blue areas. So what's going on with Joe Biden's approval rating? I think the vaccine mandates play a big role in this. And I think they're going to try and tell you that, you know, we're out of touch with regular people. But I, I will tell you this. My friends who post on Facebook, you know, people I grew up with talking about Joe Biden being the best and Trump being a fascist are now livid and scared because they have to because they don't want to get vaccinated. It's really amazing. You got someone who's 35 years old and who's healthy saying, you know, like we have a mutual friend who got sick after getting the vaccine. I'm not saying vaccines are unsafe, but this stuff kind of scares people. I certainly think if you have any concerns, you can just talk to your doctor and don't take advice from me. It's just an anecdote. But of course, then this means that my friends, some of them are now saying like, what do you mean I'm forced to do this? I'm going to lose my job. Yep. I mean, you voted for this stuff. I'm not entirely convinced that if Trump was elected, it wouldn't be the case. I'll say this. I certainly think Trump would have been eager to mandate a vaccine. I don't think he would have done it. Trump couldn't even send in the troops to stop the riots. You think he would do it? Nah, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. 
He even now is still touting Operation Warp Speed and his successes, saying the vaccine's great, you should get it. If you like Trump, you can take his word for it. Although I think he got booed recently. But I don't, I don't, look, I don't, it's amazing to me how many people are distrustful of the vaccine who are mad that I'm telling you to do what you want to do and talk to your doctor. I don't, I don't care if you disagree with me on my opinions reading the news. I think you should have the freedom of choice. So I'll, I'll, I'll put it there. I think that plays a huge role in Joe, Joe Biden's falling approval rating. And I think the vaccine mandates are going to result in tons of scared people voting Republican. I mean it. I think the vaccine mandate was a huge mistake. I wonder if the Democrats genuinely believed that, okay, people are scared of this, so we'll mandate this, so we'll win. But you've already got the Democrats. The deep blue areas are going to stay deep blue regardless of what you do. But what about the moderates? Regular people who are like, I'm not, I'm not going to go undergo medical treatment by government force. What about those people? Yeah, they're going to be like, nah, I'm out. I suppose it remains to be seen. We'll see how it plays out. We got this story from TimCast.com. I did a segment about it earlier. Ron DeSantis fining a Florida County $3.5 million for violating the vaccine passport ban. So I certainly think you take a look at what's going on in this country. You can see the rising popularity of someone like DeSantis, and you can see how many people are going to Florida and Texas because they want freedom. And I think it spells bad news for Democrats. But let's take it. Let's, let's take let's take a deep dive into, into the vaccine mandates and talk about some stuff. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. All these companies say 97% of our employees are vaccinated. The rest are facing termination. And it's like, yeah, when a bunch have already resigned over the vaccine mandates, I'll put it this way. Let's say you have 100 employees. 50 of them are vaccinated. 50 are not. No one's going to come out and be like, only half of our employees are vaccinated. What happens is they fire 50 of them. And then they say 100% of our staff is vaccinated. You see how that works? So when all of these states are like X percentage of the state has been vaccinated, I'm like, is that because unvaccinated people are leaving? Yeah, that may be. So they look at places like New York and they're like, New York overwhelmingly has, you know, high vaccination rates. And I'm like, yeah, is that because half a million people already fled Manhattan alone and those people don't want to live under edict? Could it be that New York's real rate was 50 percent and then, you know, around half of the people who don't want to get vaccinated left and now they're at 75 percent? I know tons of people who are trying to move to Florida. In fact, I know several people who moved from New York to Florida. <laughs> it's kind of funny that's happening. And that'll change the percentage. Florida's vaccination rates will go down and New York's will go up, not because people are or aren't getting vaccinated, but because people are moving. It's interesting to see how that will impact elections when these people say enough. But there's other factors to talk about as we wind down this talk of a red wave. Check this out. From the Hill, consumer prices rose 0.4% in September, up 5.4% over the last year. This is a 
13 year high in inflation. 13 years. A lot of people are, are, are going back 13 years and saying, hey, wait a minute. Um, there was a major economic crash in 2008. So are things about to get really bad? I don't know for sure. I'm not entirely convinced. I think COVID was the crash. I think the lockdowns were the crash and we, we got hit by it. A lot of people are taking advantage and they're buying things up like crazy. I know that the land value is insanely high and it's not going to go down. I, I keep getting told because, you know, we're expanding and we're building free Domestan. I'm being told by people that it's a bad time to buy. And I'm like, maybe it might be. Property value is so insanely high in rural areas right now. It's nuts. I'm talking like prices are tripling. People from D.C. are buying up property sight unseen, calling on the phone saying, I'll take it. Where can I wire the money? I don't even care to look at it. Just give me the deed. That's amazing stuff. And then you find out you got an easement and the, the government actually owns the property. or There's a lien. I mean, people don't care. But I'll tell you what I think. People aren't going to want to go back to cities. The Great Reset has scared people off, whatever you want to call it. Mandates are scaring people off. People want freedom and they want security. And with a supply shortage, people are saying, I might need to take care of myself. So you look at Bill Gates buying up all the farmland. Think it's an accident? No, it's because he knew rural land was going to skyrocket in value. At least in my opinion, he knew. I don't, can't read his mind. But there's one other factor. People say to me, Tim, it's a bad time to buy. You should wait it out. You know, there will be, there will be land available after the major surge and things go back to normal. And I'm like, what makes you think, what makes you think it's going to go back to normal? You think that people complying will result in normalcy? They're expanding the vaccine mandates. The OSHA rule just got filed. I don't think it's going back to normal. I think people are going to try and get away. I think people are going to try and find more land. I think remote work is making this possible. So maybe the prices will go down. I don't think they'll go down to where they were. In fact, I think they're going to skyrocket for one reason. Starlink. Now, I'm not giving you financial advice, but let me just say this as we, as we wind this, wrap this up. You take a look at some of this land in like New Hampshire. And you can get great prices, like 50 acres for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Now, a lot of people message me saying, a couple hundred thousand dollars, not a great, are you crazy? And I'm like, dude, 50 acres. I've seen better. In central West Virginia, you can get 100 acres for 100 grand. I'm not saying anyone's going to show up with 100 grand in cash. You get a loan to buy it, as most people do. And that means if you're buying 100 acres for 100 grand, and you're intending to like park a camper on it or something, or you're going to live there or whatever, I mean, what do you really need? 5%, 5%, so five grand down, and you get 100 acres? That is massive. A massive amount of land. Now, here's what I see happening. Starlink is rolling out already. It exists in upstate New York, and I'm told that in our area, it's going to be rolling out in, a, in, in maybe even a month, like it's about to drop. What do you think happens when you can live in central West Virginia with 100 megabits up and down. I'm not saying Starlink's there yet. I think it's at like 20. But what happens when you have high speed, low latency internet in the middle of nowhere? All of a sudden, people will be able to work remotely, coordinating calls and transmitting data. And then with all the remote work uh, workers that, and people who want to, they'll find a cheap plot of land far away and they'll say, I want it. The demand will skyrocket now. Already out where we're at, there are people advertising land saying they will cover the cost of Starlink for you. And that's one of the reasons they're charging so much. Oh, yeah, we want double the, the, the standard value from a year ago, the, the average asking price from a year ago. But Starlink is coming. I think it's going to change everything. Now, how does this pertain to what's happening with all of these uh, uh, elections? Maybe there will be a red wave. 
Or maybe all of these blue individuals will move into red areas, and then you will be shocked to discover in the next year as Starlink rolls out, Democrats are going to live in the mountains. One of two things may happen. That could dilute the Republican vote in deep red areas, resulting in Republicans winning. I'm sorry, Republicans losing and Democrats winning these areas like never before. Or it can dilute the blue areas. If you've got a district of 750,000 and 650,000 are Republican because it's a deep red area and 100,000 Democrats move in, it's still deep red. It would actually disperse Democrat votes potentially leading to a red wave of epic proportions. The other thing that could happen is that Democrats get uh, country-fied or country-ized by going out and realizing there's a bear. What do I do? But guns are bad. We had a bear attack here. Tried breaking into the chicken coop. Fortunately, we triple reinforced chicken coop and he couldn't get in. But yeah, a bear. We think it was a black bear. And that's on our porch, mind you, on our porch. The city folk don't understand that. I had a friend, I tell this story all the time, there is no reason anyone should ever have a gun, period. And I'm like, what, what if you get attacked by a bear? <laughs> what, what, there's no bears in Los Angeles. Yeah, but what if you live in West Virginia? What if you're in upstate? What if you're attacked by a wolf? I don't want to hurt the animals, but I'd certainly like to live. So I'll tell you this. One of the reasons why I think guns are important is because I've grown quite fond of living, and I'd like to continue doing it if we end up with another bear attack. That being said, red wave. Honestly, I don't know. The signs are there, the signals. Even 538 says history is on the Republican side, but we will see there are too many factors at play. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at, at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. The CEO of Southwest Airlines caught lying about what's going on. You may have heard the story. Southwest canceled thousands of flights. Maybe it affected you and you were trying to travel. Some airlines did cancel other flights, but Southwest, I think over 3,000 plus flights were canceled and they claimed it was weather, air traffic control issues, except weather that only affects one airline. Sure. Well, we started to hear rumors that pilots were striking or calling in sick in a freedom flu It's not necessarily true. My understanding is that many of these pilots have just reached their wits end, that they don't want to get the vaccine. So they're calling in sick and they're using up vacation days and sick days before they ultimately get fired or quit. This is going to be devastating for a lot of industries and we're likely going to see a lot more of it. I think the media is absolutely lying when they claim everybody's absolutely okay with vaccine mandates. Nah, I don't believe you. But the guy got caught lying. We have this story from CNBC, and we have some other developments on the vaccine mandate with Texas and the federal government. CNBC reports Southwest CEO says he never wanted a COVID vaccine mandate, but Biden forced his hand. Ah, Biden, the perfect patsy. Blame him. Okay, well, he says they don't want a vaccine mandate. Southwest is based in Texas. Texas just banned vaccine mandates. Southwest Airlines says, no, we're, we're, we're not going to use that ban in Texas as a reason not to have vaccine mandates. So you mean to tell me the state in which you operate has told you it is illegal to do this and you're still choosing to do this? Yeah, OK, they, they, they definitely want a vaccine mandate. But I'll mention something else that's very, very important in this story about catching this guy in a lie. I'm sure you've seen Law and Order or shows like it where there'll be like a guy disappears and is last seen in Grand Central Station. And then they'll be interrogating a witness, a suspect. And they'll be like, John's gone missing. 
Now we're trying to find out exactly where he was. And the suspect goes, hey, look, man, I, I never even been to Grand Central Station. And then the, the, uh, the detectives go, we never said Grand Central Station. Ha, huh, gotcha. That's the old trope, right? Why is the Southwest CEO coming out and saying, I, I don't even want a vaccine mandate, like trying to placate those who are clearly upset about it, right? If the story is that your, your flights are being canceled over weather, why would you even bring up vaccine mandates? Maybe they asked him and said, are people mad about it? Look, I don't know. I don't even want them. Let me put it this way. All but confirmed is what I would say. All but confirmed. It's not confirmed. But when you have widespread reports of pilots saying no vaccine mandates, pilots apparently aren't showing up. And then you have the CEO come out and say he never even wanted vaccine mandates when no one is asking him or, or that's not even the claim being made. And then he refuses to take the opportunity of Texas banning it. Now, he wants vaccine mandates. He knows it's unpopular. He's desperately trying to, to deny it. And then publicly, we're getting this garbage news like in V for Vendetta, where they're just saying, you know, everything's fine. And, or, or I'm sorry, not everything's fine, but your government has, is in control and there's dangers all around you. Here's what he said. He said, I've never been in favor of corporations imposing that kind of mandate. I'm not in favor of that. However, uh, Kelly said the Dallas-based carriers complying with federal rules put in place by the Biden administration. The objective here, obviously, is to, is to improve health and safety, not for people to lose their jobs. Well, my friends, over in Texas, we have Governor Greg Abbott saying vaccine mandates are hereby decreed to be illegal. Now, can he decree this? Technically, I would say no. It's got to go through the legislature. And he's actually said once the legislature passes an actual law, he'll rescind the executive order. However, we had this argument last night on Timcast IRL, and I mentioned this yesterday. I think there's a big difference between creating a law by decree and announcing you will enforce non-discrimination law. If a law already says you can't discriminate on the basis of medical reasons or religious reasons, in this instance, it is, it is, it is, it is pushing it, in my opinion. I'm not a fan of this. But to be like, I'm hereby, you know, announcing you can't discriminate against people on the basis of these things. And that's exactly what he said. You, you know, people's uh, personally held moral or religious beliefs or medical exemptions. So the law is on the book saying you can't discriminate in, the, in that capacity. Now, as to whether or not it's legal, it's got to go through the legislative branch and it's got to go through the courts. But here's where it gets interesting. American and Southwest Airlines reject the Texas order banning vaccine mandates. And now this is going to uh, Texas is going to clash right into the federal government because the breaking news we have right now, OSHA submits vaccine rule to the Office of Management and Budget jumpstarting review process. So let's work through this one first. What's going on with these airlines? The New York Times says American Airlines and Southwest citing federal requirements said on Tuesday they would not comply with an order from the governor of Texas barring private employers from mandating coronavirus vaccines in the state. Governor Greg Abbott, a strong opponent of vaccine mandates, issued the order on Monday, saying inoculation against the coronavirus should always be voluntary for Texans. We believe the federal vaccine mandate supersedes any conflicting state laws, and this does not change anything for American. For American? Oh, the airline. Haha. <laughs> said a spokesman for the airline, which is based in Fort Worth. Southwest, which is based in Dallas, said it would remain compliant with the federal mandate. Then Abbott you better drop the hammer. I want to see fines for every single employee they have in that state. 
Otherwise, your words mean nothing. The Greater Houston Partnership, a business group that counts ExxonMobil, Chevron, JP Morgan, Chase as members, also came out Tuesday against Mr. Abbott's order, saying it does not support Texas businesses' ability and duty to create a safe workplace. Biden announced last month federal contractors and their employees would need to be vaccinated with limited exceptions. Like other major employers, American and Southwest cited that requirement and their status as contractors in announcing that employees must be vaccinated. Isn't that really, really amazing? Aren't these airlines supposed to be private entities? Yeah, they're, they're quasi-governmental agencies. And so when Joe Biden says federal contractors must be vaccinated, they say, okay. Yeah, not, not a private business. Mr. Biden also announced that workers at companies with more than 100 employees would have to be vaccinated or tested regularly. Those requirements are dependent on new rules that the Occupational Safety and Health Administration has not issued yet. That requirement will cover tens of millions of workers, the administration said. Healthcare workers at institutions that receive funding from Medicaid and Medicare will also be will also require vaccination. Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, accused Abbott on Tuesday of putting politics ahead of public health and said federal law supersedes state and local ones. That'll be a really interesting battle in the courts, mind you. The administration will continue to pursue the expansive mandates it announced last month, she said, adding that business leaders who had already introduced mandates had reported positive results. Let me tell you something, my friends. So long as California can declare itself a sanctuary state and allow people to illegally cross the border to influence the greater nation's elections, don't come to me and claim your laws supersede anybody else's. The emperor has no clothes. The federal government has no power and struggles to do anything effective. Are they able to stop the widespread riots? No. But you want, to, you want to know why the feds go after a garage pull rope? Because the only thing they can actually do, they have no power. They've desperately tried to curtail California's rampant abuse of federal law, and they can't do it. And they know they can't do it. So when you get reports of widespread rioting, they're sitting there shaking, being like, we are such pathetic losers, completely unable to do anything to maintain social cohesion in this country. Let's just go after low-hanging fruit. And this is true. I'm not talking about just law enforcement. I'm talking about the entirety of the federal government, from the president to Congress, etc. They are powerless. They have no clothes. It has faltered some time ago. Now, when they come out with an iron fist and claim they're going to go after parents, they're doing what they can to make people believe they're able to enforce anything. And they can't. And we see it over and over again. And it pisses me off. Because I think we need to have social cohesion and laws in this country. But here's the problem. What do we get? The ATF? What are they doing? Enforcing rules Democrats want on rural communities makes literally no sense. That's the best they can do. The southern border is collapsing. It's a joke around the world. Haitians are coming to the southern border because they know they can get in. Migrants from all over the world, from Africa, are coming up to the southern border because they know it's broken. The federal government has lost the ability to enforce anything. Now, don't get me wrong. They can enforce garage pull ropes. Sure. What about Durham, the Durham probe? Are we going to get anything from that? Probably not. I really doubt it. What about the news story about Joe Biden's sharing a bank account with Hunter being implicated in the whole scandal that he's using the money from his son interchangeably? Yeah, nothing's going to happen because the emperor has no clothes. I remember seeing these stories back in the day about California and the DEA and, you know, the Bush administration, the Obama administration. California said we want to legalize marijuana. I'm like, I, I think legalizing marijuana is a good thing. 
And the federal government would still come in and be like, you can't do this. You're superseding federal law. And they did anyway. And that's, you know, not the first time, but I think a major component in the decay of federal power. The federal government is now desperate to make it seem like they can hold things together when they can't. We've already seen how insane things have gotten over the past couple of years and the, and, and the past uh, election. And now approval rating for Joe, for Joe Biden is absolutely in the gutter. There it is. Here's what they say. Beyond the leak quote it's from Saki. Beyond the legal aspect, which is unquestionable in our view, the question for any business leader is, what do you want to do to save more lives in your companies? Ms. Saki said, OK, here's what I'm going to do. Motorcycles are banned. Um, bicycles are banned. Everyone's got to take um, safety vehicles. So that means the vehicles need to have bumpers around the whole the entirety of the vehicle and they got to be top rated. No one in my company will ever be allowed to. Uh, um, everyone's got to ride in the back seat. Sorry, back seat's just safer. Uh, you will, drivers will be hired from the outside. And no, no, remote control cars. Everyone sits in the back. We will go 35 miles an hour, never faster. Is this where we're going? We need to save lives. Okay, what about literally anything else that causes people to lose their lives? Okay, fast food is banned. No one's allowed to eat sugar anymore because sugar is bad for you. I'm just so sick of this. So sick of this absolute garbage. Save lives. Shut up, you pathetic moron. It's just the stupidest trash I've ever heard. And you know what? There are people who fall for it and they gobble it all right up. But Joe Biden's collapsing approval rating says to me that people are saying I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. Will they stand up and push back? Maybe, maybe not. I think the Southwest Airline thing shows that it doesn't matter whether they push back or not. People have their limit and they'll make that choice. And that's why I think what's happening with Southwest is so important. I talked to a pilot, as I mentioned, and it is not a bunch of people saying we better we better hold the line. It's a guy sitting down. And he gets the notification from his boss saying you have to get the, the vaccine mandate. And he goes, Ugh. Uh, look, I'm going to call in sick. You know, I'm not feeling well. I'll let you know what happens. And then a few days goes by and then he says, use all my vacation days, my, my paid time off, whatever. Precipitating departure. Yeah, that's what, what uh, we were talking about the other day, that pilots have to use their sick time and their vacation time before they get fired if they want to get that money out. So if they're, if they're planning on quitting on a Monday, but they've got two weeks vacations, you know, saved up, why not take the two weeks pay and then quit? Right? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are on a roll. We're off to the races. OSHA has submitted their vaccine rule. CNN reports the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which falls under the Labor Department, has submitted the text of a new vaccine rule for large employers to the Office of Management and Budget, bringing the emergency standard announced by Joe Biden one step closer to taking effect. Quote, OSHA has been working expeditiously to develop an emergency temporary standard. Oh, yeah, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. They say that covers employers with 100 or more, 100 or more employees to ensure their workers are fully vaccinated or undergo weekly testing to protect employees from the spread of coronavirus in the workplace. The Labor Department spokesman said Tuesday on Tuesday, October 12th, as part of the regulatory review process, the agency submitted the initial text of the emergency temporary standard to the Office of Management and Budget. Once OMB concludes its review of the regulation, the emergency temporary standard will be published in the Federal Register when it will go into effect. Last month, Biden made the announcement, this we understand, saying, quote, while America is in much better shape than it was seven months ago when I took office, I need to tell you a second fact. We're in a tough stretch and it could last for a while. The new emergency temporary standard will require large employers to give their workers paid time off to get vaccinated if businesses don't comply. 
The government will take enforcement actions, which could include substantial fines of up to nearly $14,000 per violation, according to officials. Officials have said the standard was a minimum and that some companies may choose to go further, including by mandating the vaccine instead of offering testing alternatives. Each employer will decide exactly what they want to do. But what we're saying through the Department of Labor rulemaking process is a minimum of testing once a week or full vaccination. Well, we here at TimCast.com do not have 100 employees, but I will stand in, 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 um, in, in alongside the likes of The Blaze and The Daily Wire and any one of these other outlets that have said we will not comply. While they're not going to come after someone as small as us, I'm still saying the same thing. Never will I discriminate against my employees, forcing them to undergo medical testing, a coercive practice that just forces people to get vaccinated. And I'm not going to be inquiring about people's private medical histories. As many of you uh, who follow the show may know, uh, our producer at TimCast.com, Lydia, has multiple sclerosis and was advised that she cannot get the vaccine by her doctor. Now, first and foremost, before I said on the show that she does have MS, I asked if she, she you know, we, we know, having known, I asked her if it was OK that we, we state this publicly, if she's OK with people knowing this. Why? Some people don't want you to know their private business. Some people have disabilities or diseases, and they don't think it's any of your business and don't want to be seen as lesser or injured or weak in any way. And it's their choice whether or not to disclose if they have certain medical conditions. Certain medical conditions, of course, contagious diseases, I understand. However, as much as I do, I got to tell you, I, I, were, I think COVID is bad. There is a degree of worry I have over it. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I go through every single day being like, yeah, I don't care. No, I, I absolutely do care. I go to a store and I see someone coughing. I'm going to be like, I'm not going to go by that person. I don't want to get it. I don't want to spread it. And I want it to go away. I do think it's bad. I think people underestimate it. I really, really do. You know, when I have people like, you know, Joan, Alex Jones on and, and Michaela Peterson, and they're talking about the people they know who've gotten it and how serious it is, I'm like, I don't think it's a game. I think it's serious. But I also think we have to accept risks and we have to live our lives. And I've looked at the data and based upon my assessment, I think we are taking the appropriate steps to mitigate the risks. And it's not that complicated. When people want to come on the show, we've had multiple guests be like, guys, I think I'm sick. It's great. It's almost self-regulatory. We've had guests that call up and they say, I think I'm getting sick. I'm not going to come. And we say, thank you for letting us know. Actually, the new studio is socially distanced anyway, so it kind of works out. The table's so big, everyone's far away from each other. But why should I be mandated? Why should anybody else? Why should I spy on my employees and demand their papers? And first and foremost, why would I as a CEO be exempt from these rules? You see how it works? I could, as, as the CEO of this company, mandate everything for my employees and I can do whatever I want. No, I don't accept that. I, I don't believe in this elitist neoliberal neocon establishment trash world that they, they've been trying to build. I'm not going to I'm not going to revel in it. I'm not going to accept it. And if it ever comes down to it, if we are about to cross that threshold into 100 employees, I'm going to outright just be like, ain't doing it. You can do whatever you want, Joe Biden, your stupid, you know, federal mandates or whatever. I'm not playing that game. Many other businesses have done the same. Now, I can tell you it's a bit different for a media company. I'm interested to see what happens with the Daily Wire, Blaze and, and, and these other companies that have stood up and said no. And I'll give a special shout out to the Washington Examiner. They do have a vaccine mandate. Hypocrites. 
Fox News, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson can come out all day complaining about this, hosting these pilots. Fox News is a vaccine mandate. Spare me your hypocrisy. I'm not going to do it. Now, a lot of people have pointed out that when this rule goes into effect, just break up your company into smaller companies. And that's one thing that you could do. Got an HR department? Make your own HR company. Expand to other clients and other services. And now you have only 50 employees in your company because the other 50, you know, not every, you know, half your company shouldn't be HR, but you get the point. If you've got 100 employees and you have, you know, three HR employees, then start a spin off another company. That's what people have been saying. I don't know the actual legalities of that, but a lot of people are saying they'll spin off their HR into a private company and then contract with the HR company and it puts them under the threshold. One guy in a viral video said that once the rule came in, he had like 130 something employees. He fired every vaccinated employee. That to me is a little extreme. I wouldn't do that. I don't care if you're vaccinated. By all means, go to your doctor and figure out what makes sense for you. But we got to say no to this stuff. There's, there, there, there are limits. We had a really great conversation the other day on morality. Uh, Ian brought up a really good point about uh, airborne Ebola, for instance. You know, I was saying, look, when it comes to this, people have a right to choose their medical treatments, blah, blah, blah. And Ian was like, but it's an infectious disease. You know, Abbott shouldn't have the ability to tell stores they can't, you know, they, they, they can't stop people if they're trying to, they, they can't have the mandate if they're trying to stop uh, a contagious disease. And then he said, so what about Ebola? If it's Ebola and it's a 50% mortality, then everyone's rights be damned. And my answer is, yeah, y- yes, it's not easy. And we all have different lines in morality. Some people think some things are egregious acts that can't be crossed. Others don't. There are some things that are universally considered to be unjust, amoral or unethical. We have those universal rules. But when it comes to other things like trying to figure out where and when we are allowed to apply mandates, it's very difficult. The point is, the first thing I said, with an airborne Ebola, you know, people's insides are liquefying and they're dropping dead at like 80% or some ridiculous rate. I mean, you're going to self-regulate. What's going to happen is people are going to be terrified seeing their neighbors collapse on the ground and they're going to run and they're going to run for the hills and they're going to say, keep everyone away from me. They're going to beg for the vaccine as soon as possible because an 80% mortality rate compared with even a 1% risk is worth it. Now, I'm not saying the vaccines have that level of a risk. I'm just saying that people are going to be like, whoa, when with, with, with vaccine hesitancy, I don't think I, I think that's not even the right word because some people are like outright like you ain't going to get me to do it. You have people who actually read the data and they're saying like, weigh the risk, talk to my doctor. I've made the decision that's right for me. We're not talking about airborne Ebola. When you have a, a situation like this and, and, and actually in any situation, there's no logical hard line. It's not as easy to say it's, it's analog versus digital. Some people think it's going to be black and white, one or zero. And that we're going to be like, either we, we're allowed to impose mandates or we're not. And I'm like, it's never that simple. It is never that simple. Right now, the risk, as people have seen based on all of the data, has led a lot of people to conclude that the risk is not worth the sacrifice of freedoms. If it came to an airborne widespread Ebola that was plaguing the nation, you would have a very different response from the people. So long as we are divided in this way, then that's it. If Texas says the elected representative has determined this not to be acceptable, then Texas has done it and you can leave Texas. It is not so easy to figure out how we do these things. But I can tell you this, the president ruling by decree, Southwest lying 
These people are authoritarians who want power and they don't care about you. They want to mitigate uh, responsibility, liability, and they want to be able to uh, impose. They want to make their, they want to make it easy for themselves, because I'll tell you this. The CEOs of these companies, the higher ups, the executives, I really doubt they have to do anything. Fox News has a vaccine mandate. When Tucker Carlson was asked about it, he, he, he responded with, you know, when was the last time you slept with your wife or something to that effect? I'd be willing to bet a large amount of money that Tucker Carlson is not vaccinated. I'd say the same thing of Joe Rogan as well. Joe Rogan's willing to go perform at venues where they mandate the vaccine. And Tucker Carlson works for a company that also mandates it. So with respect to these individuals who frequently stand up against, you know, tyranny, I find it saddening to say the least. If Tucker Carlson is vaccinated and Joe Rogan, they both may be. I just I question why it is they come out with these segments, you know, saying it's bad and saying it's wrong and calling it tyranny if they would actually participate in that system. And let me just stress once again to all the people who said Tim claims that if you say you're, you, you people claim to oppose the vaccine mandate, but then go and get it out of fear of losing their jobs, they're not actually opposing it. Yes, that is 100 percent correct. That is a fact statement. I'm not saying in spirit they oppose it. I'm saying they literally aren't opposing it. You see what I mean? Imagine someone said, I'm going to physically oppose this boulder moving down the street and then stepped aside and the boulder kept rolling. I'd be like, well, you may not like the boulder rolling down the street. You certainly have stepped aside and allowed the boulder to continue. There is no opposition from you. If that individual then, you know, pulled a clothesline to try and stop and it didn't work, at least they tried. They're still opposing it. You get the point? For the vaccine mandates in New York City, if, if a business says we will not comply, they're opposing it. If a business says, I'm sorry, we have no choice but to comply, but hey, sneak around back and we'll still provide service to you, they're opposing it. If they said private memberships, you don't, you, if you're a private owner, just buy a share, they're opposing it. But if you say, I oppose these vaccine mandates, now I'm going to go adhere to the rules so I can continue working within the vaccine mandate system. I'm like, dude, you're riding the boulder at that point. You can sit on top of it as it's, you know, bouncing down the hill somehow, however you're doing it. I don't know. Whatever. The point is, you're alongside it saying, it's bad, everybody. It's really, really bad. We got to stop it. And then everybody decides they're going to run alongside the boulder, yelling how they got to stop the boulder. And then no one does. What a dumb analogy. Anyway, you get the point. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. While Texas has implemented an executive order banning vaccine mandates, Florida basically already has one when they banned the vaccine passport. A lot of people are wondering why DeSantis didn't come out directly and say no vaccine mandates in our state. I don't think he needs to, considering the existing executive orders. And now we are learning Ron DeSantis is fining a Florida county nearly $4 million for firing unvaccinated workers. Now, there is a question over who is the more authoritarian, the governors who are saying you will not be allowed to discriminate or the federal government and the Democrats saying you must discriminate. If I have to make a choice, I'm going to err on the side of the people saying you can't discriminate because that will typically protect more freedoms, though I'm not a fan of either. But this is uh, uh, things are starting to come to blows, as it were. Questions were asked of Jen Psaki about what's going on in Texas, and she says, <laughs> excuse me, uh, federal government supersedes state government, and we all know it's unquestionable. OK, I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but that's basically what she said. A lot of people then started saying, I'd like to introduce you to the Tenth Amendment. However, 
I think they're also missing the context of the supremacy clause. And so when you have federal law and state law, it's not about who has authority over anybody. It's not about whether or not Texas can issue issue authority over a business and the federal government can't. It's about the fact that they both can at the same time. So when the federal government says jump and Texas says sit down, they're both pointing the finger at you. There's only one thing you can do. Pick a side. Now we're starting to see it more and more. The fissures are before our eyes, my friends. Never have we been closer to a real civil war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, get it out of your systems. All leftists who are like, it'll never happen. It can't happen here. No, I think the actual leftists are like, eh, we're dangerously close. I think the establishment Democrats are like, no. But I think you take a look at what's going on with the states and the federal government. How is a business supposed to choose? Well, American Airlines and Southwest have chosen federal compliance and they're ignoring Texas state law. But guess who's got the closer reach? Texas state government is going to be handling its jurisdiction. The federal government can't handle this. They can barely handle California. So if you're a business in Texas and the federal government says do it or else, you're like, what do I do? Texas is right there. He's standing over my shoulder. So this should get interesting. In Florida, it's come to large fines. The Post Millennial reports on Tuesday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced that Florida's Department of Health is fining Leon County for violating the state's ban on vaccine passports and for firing employees who did not receive COVID-19 vaccination. In a tweet on Tuesday, DeSantis wrote, no one should lose their job because of COVID shots. We must protect the jobs of Floridians and preserve the ability of Floridians to make their own decisions regarding what shots to take. According to WCTV, the DOH notice of violation states that the county is facing 714 counts for requiring employees to provide proof of vaccination against the coronavirus. An email from DeSantis's office stated that the county also fired 14 employees for not receiving their COVID-19 vaccinations. Quote, it is, it is unacceptable that Leon County violated Florida law, infringed on current and former employees' medical privacy, and fired loyal public servants because of their personal health decisions. Governor DeSantis will continue fighting for Floridians, writes, and the Florida Department of Health will continue to enforce the law. A spokesperson for the governor said in a statement to WCTV on Tuesday, the DOH is able to issue a $5,000 fine per person that is asked to show proof of vaccination under the state's current COVID-19 rules. And this is why so many people want to live in Florida. Boy, would I ever love to live in Florida if it wasn't, you know, um, a billion degrees. I'll put it that way. I lived in Florida. I lived in Miami. And it's it's like you get January and February to go outside. So uh, some people like it. I can't do it. I grew up in Chicago. It's hot enough in the summer. It's cold enough in the winter, but you get a good balance. Now we're in West Virginia right now. And I think it's actually fairly great. It gets hot. I mean, it's not so bad. Uh, it gets cold, but it's not so bad. It's a good spot. A lot of trees, a lot of deer. Yeah, I'm digging it. And good freedom. Not perfect, though. West Virginia does not have what Florida has. And it may be due to the fact that the eastern portion of West Virginia has a whole bunch of D.C. expats, as it were, fleeing the the city or just, you know, trying to get trying to live in a state where they have freedom. And then they bring liberal policies, which slowly shift the state towards blue, even though it is overwhelmingly red. Don't get me wrong. There's just some counties. They're going to say, Leon County reportedly issued its order for county employees to be fully vaccinated against COVID in July, with a deadline to uh, uh, to receive the proper shots by October 1st. In September, 
County Administrator Vince Long said that Leon County's mandate won't hold uh, would hold up in court. Quote, we believe that requiring our employees as a condition of employment to become vaccinated is illegal, is legal. Long said it's permissible. The EEOC agrees with us. The DOJ agrees with us. Federal district courts agree with us. And we also believe that it's not inconsistent with Florida law. The DOH has reportedly given Leon County 30 days to pay the fine. Well, let's take a step over to see what's happening with the federal government, how they're responding to this. Townhall.com tweeted this uh, uh, little bit from Jen Psaki. Let, let, me, let me just actually play the audio for you so you can hear it. Going back to Texas, um, what is the president's message to businesses in Texas? You mentioned several of them who are based there. Yeah. Um, when it comes to what the federal guidance is now and now with the state executive order, what would the president say to those companies as they're determining what they should be doing right now for their vaccine mandates? Well, we know uh, that federal law uh, overrides state law. Uh, I would note that uh, earlier when we put out our guidance uh, on the president's uh, announcement about mandates several weeks ago, he made clear, it made clear that, uh, again, as I said earlier, requirements are promulgated pursuant to federal law and supersede any contrary state or local law or ordinance. Uh, additionally, nothing in this guidance excuses noncompliance with any applicable state law or municipal ordinance. We put out guidance several weeks ago conveying that clearly. But fundamentally, it's not so cut and dry. A lot of people immediately started saying 10th Amendment started trending, but people then accurately, I believe to a certain degree, pointed out the supremacy clause. Uh, Cornell.edu says the supremacy clause, Article 6, paragraph 2 of the U.S. Constitution is commonly referred to as the supremacy clause. It establishes that the federal constitution and federal law generally take precedence over state laws and even state constitutions. It prohibits states from interfering with federal government's exercise of its constitutional powers and from assuming any functions that are exclusively entrusted to the federal government. It does not, however, allow the federal government to review or veto state laws before they take effect. Now, I am no lawyer. I am but a humble Internet man yelling at a camera. But I have already noticed a hole in the argument from both sides. The Tenth Amendment, they say. Yeah, that powers not specifically given to the government are reserved for the states. But the Supremacy Clause in the Constitution actually says that federal law supersedes state law generally. They're missing the point. There is not a law in Texas saying that uh, the federal government is barred from enforcing its mandates. They just say you can't have a mandate here. In fact, they don't mention the federal government at all. And the federal government doesn't have a, a, an executive order. In fact, there isn't one yet saying that Texas isn't allowed to ban anybody. N neither interfere with each other. They just interfere with the business owner. Now, the OSHA rule has been filed. It has not yet been implemented. So get it out while you can, Texas and Florida, because sooner or later the feds will come and knock in. But we'll see if they actually have the power to do anything. Like I said, they can't do anything in California with immigration. Why should I assume they'll do anything with COVID in these states? Let's, take a, let's, let's, let's think about what this means. You're a business in Texas. Texas says no mandate. Federal government says mandate. Neither are talking to each other. They're talking to you. Pick a side. Texas, federal government. Now, what that ultimately leads to, I don't know. What can the feds do? They're going to send in the National Guard? Maybe, but maybe that's part of an era long since past. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the army, I think it was. Was it the army used to desegregate uh, schools? I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 to desegregate schools. When, um, I think it was the army. When civil rights passed, they said, we're going to go in and we're going to enforce this. What will happen today with the hyperpolarization and the sentiment among many individuals about what's currently going on in this country? What will happen 
if the feds try going in and enforcing vaccination mandates. <laughs> You're not talking about telling people to sit next to each other in a classroom. You're talking about telling people to be injected with a medication that they are choosing not to take. If you think this is remotely the same, these not every issue is going to be the same. So Texas is going to drop the hammer. Same as Florida. Florida's like, we don't care. You, you're in our state. You follow our rules. You got a governor issuing his executive order and a president claim well, issuing a press conference. No exact, no actual executive order has even been implemented, but it's amazing because people are still falling in line. What happens? I don't know. I don't know, but I do, I do believe this is, this is bringing us closer than ever to civil war, making, I think people need to understand how, how much of a reality it may actually become. You see, it, it may come down, when it came to the first civil war, which was not as people understand it, a civil war, right? We, we call it the American Civil War, but it was something different. I don't know what you'd call it. I guess you could technically call it a civil war, but typically civil wars are regarded as factions fighting over control of a government, meaning you have two parties and then they start fighting each other and there's a revolution and then one side takes over, you get a civil war, right? In the United States, what we had was a bunch of states in a union saying, we out, and the other states in the Union being like, yo, we sacrificed blood and treasure for you. You can't just leave. You owe us a debt. And then fighting happened. But there was a strong moral issue. Slavery. Many people in the North, it wasn't about preserving the Union. It was about ending slavery, period. Not for everybody, but for a lot of people. In the South, it was principally about slavery. But politically, it was the federal government shouldn't be interfering in our laws and what we should be doing. And it's really interesting because we're facing something similar today. But there's no great moral injustice that's riling people up, except for maybe potentially now vaccine mandates and maybe something like abortion. There have been many conservatives who have said that the issue of abortion may end up one day like the issue of slavery, with many people with there with their being a war to end what they view as a, a, atrocious behavior, atrocities. I don't know about that. Because the, the right seems to be too individualistic and they're not rally around this. But what happens when you have the issue of, well, well, Texas, for instance? I mean, they passed a particularly restrictive abortion bill and they've also said no mandates. What happens when the federal government comes in and says, we're going to do what we want? Texas already has its sentiment towards uh, secession because they used to be their own country. My understanding is that Texas was, a, they, uh, the U.S. said, Texas, do you want to be five states? And they're like, no, nah, we'll be one state. You got New Hampshire talking about secession. What happens when any one of these states just says no to the federal government? I mean, California's already done it, but California wants to exert their authority over everybody else. So they have no interest in leaving, unless, of course, Donald Trump were to win. Yeah, we also what happened with the Boston Globe story and John Podesta. But what happens if Texas says, we out? What happens if the federal government tries to serve some kind of warrant or whatever, or tries to go after a business in Texas. Let's say there's a, let's say, let's say there's a, a chain of restaurants called um, Timmy Tom Sandwiches in, 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 in Texas. And they've got, uh, you know, 300 employees at their company in a bunch of different locations. The federal government says, do it or else. And Timmy Tom says, we don't operate any stores outside of Texas. So our biggest fear is the Texas government, not the federal government. What happens then when the federal government says, if you don't do as you're told, because you got to pay taxes to the Fed, we're going to come and enforce. Will Texas defend this business? I don't know. I genuinely do not know. I can tell you, though, I think the vaccine mandates have gone too far, and it's going to result in a lot of crises. Notably, we got this story. 
man's kidney transplant canceled because donor wasn't vaccinated. I mean, you're going to let the guy die? Yikes, man. So when you see something like this from Ron DeSantis, this $4 million fine, it screams presidential in my opinion. And I think he might, he might run. Now, let's, let's take a look at what some of what's going on. We got DeSantis here, right? DeSantis Columbus Day proclamation pushes back against those who would defame the explorer. DeSantis called Columbus a singular figure in Western civilization. Trump couldn't even stand up on, this, on, these, on these issues. Yes, it's Columbus Day. Christopher Columbus had his problems. So did everybody else back then. But you see, this country is rooted in European colonization. That's just a reality. You can't erase the history of it. And I think for a lot of us, we take a look at the world. We take, we take pride in our successes and our exploration. It doesn't mean we ignore other cultures and their stories. But they want to get rid of Columbus Day and make it Indigenous Peoples Day. Where was Donald Trump to come out and say, you know, I stand by our values, our culture, and our traditions. And I'm not a big fan. I'm not, I'm not a traditionalist. But I certainly think there are some things that are considered tradition that we should, you know, we want to uphold. The right of the innocent until proven guilty. Things like that. Donald Trump was behind the curve. He certainly became an avatar of the anger for so many people, but he didn't understand. Ron DeSantis, he's a younger guy. He knows how to play the game. He knows what actions to take. And I, and I think while he's far from perfect, he's doing things that are good. Can Ron DeSantis beat a Donald Trump in a Republican primary is the big question. I honestly don't know. But I will tell you this. I don't like Republican policy for the most part, for the most part. Um, and that's because they're the Washington generals and the Democrats are the Harlem Globetrotters, right? Um, but I will say as a moderate, I look at the Republican Party like, eh, I, I guess I'll take it. I mean, the Democrats used to be in favor of stronger borders. And I was like, that's easy. You know, Bernie Sanders, open borders is a Koch brothers proposal. I said that in 2015. Where yet, Bernie? Now he's like moratorium on deportations. Yeah, Okay. Republican Party today, at least with Ron DeSantis, I'll take what I can get. Now, there are some issues. I, I don't I, I don't want to vote uh, pro-life. And, and, it's, and it's interesting, right? Because it's a very serious moral conundrum. But I have a unique, uh, relatively unique, I guess, libertarian position on, on the issue. Uh, I, I generally agree with conservatives. Life begins at conception. I think it's a political lie to us or otherwise. But I also don't like the idea of the state being able to tell a person when their body should be given to another person. Now, a lot of people have said, but there's the exemptions for, you know, uh, force and incest and things like that. And I'm like, I don't I don't see that as an excuse, uh, a, a reasonable excuse if your argument is life begins at conception. But that doesn't change the fact that there are many laws that don't allow women the choice should they have been forced into a circumstance. And then we run into the problem of abuse of the system, which means I'm just ultimately like, yo, I don't have the answers to this. I'm going to err on the side of the individual making a choice between them and their medical provider because I don't know. And there are bad people. And I don't know how you solve for that. It is very, very difficult. But the fact remains. With the left going full pro-abortion, I'm just like, I ain't never going to vote for that. So, so what do I do? It's remarkable. I love the arguments. Is Tim Pool right wing a conservative? I'm like, not really. But what he hates universal health care. Universal health care isn't even a liberal position. It's a leftist position. I am 100% pro public option, meaning universal basic health care with private subsidized you, so you as an individual have a right to choose a private entity. And yes, we need to peel back tons of the regulations on that. 
That way, and, and then for those that, you know, break their arm or get sick and go to the hospital. But they love to mischaracterize my position and say, Tim opposes, you know, you, you know universal health care. No, there's an argument about what the policy actually is. When Bernie Sanders comes out and says, we're going to ban all private health care. Nobody does that. Nobody in the world does that. That's insane. And then you see what they're doing with, with vaccine by race. Sorry, I'm not playing that game. And for that, I'm right wing. You people are insane. Take this one to put on Wikipedia. The people arguing Tim Pool often says he supports these things, but then argues against the liberals. No, I don't. I argue against the leftists and the despots and the authoritarians. And I think Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham are feckless and they do nothing. Nothing. Getting judges put in place. Come on. It's not even, they're not even doing anything. Republicans had power. They did nothing. Over the past several years, the cultural institutions have been controlled by the left and the Democrats in the House have been doing tons of unethical things. None of that is policy related. But if you oppose the Democrats, you're right wing. Shut up. Ron DeSantis. What has he got going for him? Supporting America? That's not right wing. Sorry, you're you're lunatics. If my choice is as a moderate libertarian liberal type to choose the people who say America sucks and to burn it down and to choose the conservative who says, I think this country is pretty good. Who am I supposed to choose? I think it's fairly obvious, right? Anyway, I digress. A Donald Trump. I don't like Donald Trump. I've never been a fan of his character. I've been critical of his behavior, his foreign policy. I'm not confident Ron DeSantis would be good on foreign policy either. And that, that to me is one of the biggest issues. You want to take a look at my stance on foreign policy? Sure does line up with where the left has been for the past decade. But Donald Trump pushed back against the establishment and I did not vote for him in 2016. In 2020, I saw his agenda and I went through it. School choice is big. Banning critical race theory is big. You know what? I'll take what I can get. Ron DeSantis, I think, is better. I don't know if he's going to be anything better than the traditional Republican Party, so I don't know if I want to vote for him. You know who I'm much a much bigger fan of? Dave Smith and the Mises Caucus. Way more, way bigger fans. Why? Because they're just leave me alone type people. And that's, that's the, the biggest issue for me is leave me alone. Let people live their lives. Let them be free. Yes, we need regulations. Yes, we do have laws to prevent crime and things like that. But I'll tell you this. My ideal version of this of this country is a well-informed, left-leaning libertarian country. And what does that mean, left libertarian? It means people agree on certain systems that are regulated, held accountable, social welfare programs, universal basic health care, meaning if you break your arm, if you get the flu, if you don't know what you got, we'll treat you. But you'll need private insurance for the more serious ailments, and people should have that choice to choose a better provider. But if you break your arm, we can't have poor people going around, you know, seriously injured, and we, we, we need to have some basic level. That's my ideal. Now, the challenges with left libertarianism is that I don't believe we should be able to force anyone to, to pay into a system they don't want to pay into, which makes it extremely difficult. And so then I say, well, at least with the right libertarians, we can have left libertarianism pockets. We can, we can have our own community where we say everybody pitch in because we're all going to do a big pool for healthcare. You can do it. No one's stopping you. So ultimately, I just view a decentralized power structure as being the best possible system. Not perfect. Best possible. Far from perfect. But I think the, Republic, the Republican system of the United States, not the Republican Party, like the Republic and the Electoral College are brilliant mechanisms. We need to preserve those. They've done a good job. We also need substantial reform. So I wouldn't call myself a revolutionary. I would say that on economic policy, I certainly lean left. I think we need to have, um, we need, in my opinion, social programs, 
but they have to have a function of harsh accountability. And so long as they don't, they're worthless. So before anyone says we should implement universal basic anything, I say there needs to be a mechanism in place for which these programs fail and collapse and cease to exist in the event they don't work. The problem right now with the left is that I certainly think there are ways that we can, like the fire department works fantastically. The police department, in my opinion, works pretty damn well. Not perfectly. EMS works pretty well. Okay. So how can we take a look at that and figure out why it's, it's working? Why, why is the fire department working so well? Well, it could be that their job's relatively simple. Go and put out a fire to the best of your abilities. No one, there's no process. There's no judicial process and no political argument. There are budget constraints and things like that. I certainly think we can find ways to make this stuff work. The post office needs help. The problem is when a system becomes bloated and it's subsidized by the government, it can't fail. And if it can't fail, you end up with a festering wound. So that's, these are my political positions. But I will absolutely vote for Ron DeSantis if he is the one candidate saying Columbus Day. If he is the one candidate saying you can't discriminate against people. It's not about policy. It's about quite literally freedom and leave me alone. And you know what that, that, that's going to mean? Many people are going to feel the same way. And that's, you're, you're going to end up seeing a DeSantis or somebody win. I think Trump's the wrong choice. I absolutely do. Ron DeSantis is younger. He's, he's, he's quick-witted. He understands the media game better. They'll come after him hard, but I think he would do a substantially better job. We'll see how things play out. As for the Republican Party in Congress, yeah, I think it's very unlikely I vote for these people. I, I gave the Republicans a chance with Trump in 2020 because I'm like, something. So there's got to be opposition to the psychopathy of the Democratic Party. But I'm not a fan of it. And I don't like the idea of voting against another party. Donald Trump, I did like. His agenda, I did like. And I, I said, you know what? I'll take it especially if the alternative is Biden. Moving forward, I don't know, man. I really don't. I don't want the Democrats to hold power. They're burning everything, everything, everything to the ground. And the Republican Party, just the Washington generals, they're going to fumble about and fall on their butts and go, whoops. At least with the, with the Mises caucus, we'll get Press Secretary Michael Malice. I'll take that. I don't have all the answers. But I can say I do appreciate DeSantis telling people you can't discriminate and standing up. So I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.